Heavenly Father, we thank you again that you're a God of all knowledge and that you've revealed this knowledge in the pages of the scriptures. Oh Lord, it is such a precious book that we have before us, a book that we should not want to give up anything in this world for. Lord, we pray that we would uh, be ready to have this book as this prime part of our lives, that there is nothing else that surpasses it in value for us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning as we look at the pages of your word this morning and we recognize that you're a God who has knowledge and has revealed that knowledge, not just about the things that have come in the past, but you have revealed the things that will come. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand those things so that we can be prepared for them when they come. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through the book of Hosea, and we've come to Hosea chapter 10. And we've seen again and again in this book, which is an Old Testament prophet, uh, where he's speaking about the sin of the Israelites and the way that God will punish them for their sin. He's again and again described how dreadful their sin is and then talked about the dreadful judgment that will come upon them. And we've seen a number of different ways that this judgment is described and how fearful it will be. And in chapter 10, we get further information from the prophet about the sin of the Israelites and how the judgment will come upon them. And we see this in uh, throughout the chapter, which we just had read for us, but I'll read for you verses 7 through to verse 10, which will be where I'm concentrating on today. Verses 7 to 10 of Hosea chapter 10, which is found on page 896 of the Black Church Bibles, page 896, I encourage you to look with me now at verse 7 through to verse 10. It says, Samaria, which is one of the towns of uh, Israel, and its king will float away like a twig on the surface of the waters. The high places of wickedness will be destroyed. It is the sin of Israel. Thorns and thistles will grow up and cover their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Since the days of Gibeah, you have sinned, O Israel, and there you have remained. Did not war overtake the evildoers in Gibeah? When I please, I will punish them. Nations will be gathered against them to put them in bonds for their double sin. Here we see yet more sins held up against Israel and the punishment that will come to them is explained. One of the great sins that the Israelites had committed was by worshipping false gods. And that is what is mentioned in verse 8 where it talks about <clears throat> the high places of wickedness will be destroyed. It is the sin of Israel. These high places are where the Israelites were worshipping gods that are opposed to the God of Israel. And so, of course, God does not take this matter lightly and will punish them accordingly. And the way that he would punish them is by the nation of Assyria was one of the ways that God punished them. And that is mentioned in verse 6, that uh, they'll be carried away to Assyria. And in verse 10 it says, When I please, I'll punish them. Nations will be gathered against them to put them in bonds for their double sin. These foreign nations would come against Israel and destroy them as a result of their sin. Now, how dreadful was this punishment that was to come to Israel? Well, there's one image that is given to us in verse 8, which I want to concentrate on today. It says in verse 8, The high places of wickedness will be destroyed. It is the sin of Israel. Thorns and thistles will grow up and cover their altars. And then we read, They will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Let that sink in. What is that meaning? When it says there that the Israelites will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, 
fall on us. What is the cry of the Israelites here? It is that they would be crushed to death by a mountain or by a hill rather than experience the judgment of God that is coming with the Syrian army. Now, is that a pleasant thought to think of a hill falling on you, a mountain covering you? still remember when I was a, a, a little boy, you know, I went away with the Boys Brigade camp, uh, so this is in primary school age, and a bunch of us boys, we, we were taken to a beach one day on this camp, and uh, a bunch of us decided to go near some rocks and some cliffs that were nearby, and there was a hole going in underneath the cliff, and we decided we'd crawl in and see how far we could get in underneath this cliff. And as I'm crawling in, <clears throat> the space starts fairly large, and then it gets narrower and narrower and narrower, and then it sort of leveled off, and there was this tunnel that we could crawl through. And we're crawling, 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 and then suddenly this thought occurred to me. This could come down on top of me and crush me. And there I am on the sand with rock above me, rubbing my back as I'm crawling, and I suddenly realised that if it came down, there's no escape. I'd be completely crushed. And I had this overwhelming sense of claustrophobia all of a sudden, which I don't usually get claustrophobic. And I suddenly went, no, 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 I don't want to be in here. And I scurried back out. And some of the other boys stayed in a bit longer and then they came out as well. But I had this terrible thought of what it would be like to have this cliff face suddenly collapse on top of me. Yes, it had been there for thousands of years and not collapsed, but what was to say that in the next few minutes wouldn't be that time when the cliff suddenly gave way and collapsed on this tunnel that we were crawling through? It's a horrible thought. But the Israelites actually desire, when the judgment comes, they desire to have a cliff fall on them, to have a hill fall on them, to have a mountain cover them. That's what it says there in verse 8. It says, then they will say to the mountains, cover us and to the hills, fall on us. Now, why would they cry out for something that I, as a little boy, worked out pretty early on is a terrible thing? You don't want to be crushed by a cliff, by a hill, by a mountain. Well, it's because the judgment of God against the Israelites would be so painful that it would be far better to be crushed to death by a hill or a mountain. The Assyrians were known for their cruelty. When they conquered other nations, they often scared the nations that they're about to conquer by treating terribly the nations that they had conquered. Now, I could go into great detail about some of the things that they did, but I'd probably make a lot of people here squeamish, there were children present, and I didn't think it would be a good thing to do. But if you're interested at all at how terrible the Assyrian judgment would be to the Israelites, then just do some Googling this afternoon about Assyrians and their cruelty. And you'll soon read about the things that they boasted about doing to other nations. And this was the nation that was going to come and conquer Israel. They were going to do horrible things to the Israelites when they eventually arrived there and conquered that nation. The survivors, they did not treat very well at all. And so it's not surprising then that some of the Israelites would start to do what is described in verse 8 when they fell into the hands of the Assyrians. They would much rather that a hill fell on them or a mountain covered them than be treated in the way that the Assyrians were going to treat them. That it would be far better to die a quick death being crushed by a mountain than to be tortured by the Assyrian army. 
Another thing that this tells us, the cry of the Israelites here in verse 8 that would come, it tells us the way that there would be no escape from God's judgment. If there's a way out, then you don't call for an immediate death. You try and get a way out of the pain that you're experiencing. But here we see that the Israelites, when the judgment came, would understand that there is no possibility of escape from the pain that is coming to them. And so they actually say, okay, end it instead. Put me to death so that I do not have to experience the pain of God's judgment on me because of my sin through the hands of these Assyrians. Now, when would this judgment come, this awful judgment where the Israelites would cry out for the hills to fall on them, for the mountains to cover them? When would it come? Well, verse eight actually, uh, verse 10 tells us in Hosea chapter 10, verse 10, when's the judgment to come? It says, when I please... I will punish them. Nations will be gathered against them to put them in bonds for their double sin. When's the judgment to come? It's when God pleases. When God desires is another translation of that Hebrew word. It's not when the Israelites desire that they will be judged and they can put it off. They can make some sort of negotiation like sometimes children try to do with a father. They negotiate and try and stave off the punishment as long as possible. No, it's when I please that the judgment will come, says the Lord. And it did eventually come. God was patient with the Israelites for many years, but eventually the judgment did come. The Assyrian army did come and defeated Israel and did horrible things to them, to the extent that later on God actually prophesies about the judgment that would come upon the Assyrians for what they did to the Israelites. But the Assyrian judgment is not the only judgment of God that is described in the way of verse 8 of Hosea chapter 10. This idea of people calling out to mountains to cover them and to hills to fall on them is not the only time it's mentioned in the scriptures about one of God's judgments. It's actually picked up on in the New Testament. And we saw that in the reading that we had from the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 6. Turn with me there now, Revelation chapter 6 which is found on page 1,219. 1,219, Revelation chapter 6. And I'll read from verse 12, where the Apostle John is being given a vision of what is to come, the final judgment. And we read in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 6, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. This is the final judgment of God. And then what do we read in verse 15? Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. The great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? God has given warning that a final judgment is coming for sin. He gave a warning to the Israelites that a judgment was coming for their sin and the Assyrian army came and destroyed them. But God has also given warning to the nations of the world today that a final judgment will come. 
And it will be an awful judgment. It will be a terrible judgment because our sin is so terrible. We have rebelled against the living God. We have rebelled against our creator. We have followed our own ways rather than God's ways. And that is terrible sin in the eyes of God and deserves terrible judgment. And the thing is, this final judgment of God will be far worse than the judgment that the Assyrians brought upon Israel. We see there that the people call out in the final judgment there, in verse 16 of Revelation chapter 6, they call to the mountains, the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Why is the final judgment more terrible than the judgment of the Assyrians? Because it's done at the hands of God, the living God. And God can punish us far more than any person in this world can. He has far greater power than anyone in this world to inflict pain upon us for our sin. It's one of those things in the scriptures it's hard to understand what the final judgment will be like because it is really beyond us to understand, to comprehend in this world how terrible hell will be for those who have rebelled against God. There's different images given in the scriptures and Revelation is one of those places, but also Jesus himself speaks of the judgment that is to come. Turn with me now in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, page 969, page 969 in your church Bibles. Matthew 13, verse 47. Matthew 13, verse 47, page 969. Verse 47, where Jesus is speaking, he's speaking a number of parables about uh, the final judgment amongst other things. And then in verse 47, Jesus says, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One of the best ways that we can try and consider what hell will be like is by fire. An eternal fire where there is gnashing and weeping that goes on. And it is at the hand of God. This is a terrible judgment upon us for our sin. Because it comes at the hand of God as opposed to the hand of someone in this world. We just cannot comprehend how awful that judgment will be of the Lord. And so it's not hard to see why people will actually call for a hill to fall on them while they're suffering in hell. Why they will call for mountains to cover them, to hide us from the wrath of the Lamb for our sin. And then another way that the final judgment will be more terrible than the judgment that the Assyrians brought to the Israelites back in Hosea is because the final judgment will be eternal. It's not a temporal punishment, as the Israelites would have experienced at the hands of the Assyrians. They would have been able to, even if the Assyrians preserved their lives and tortured them for an extended period of time, eventually death would come. But the judgment of the Lord, the final judgment, it's eternal. It goes on. The scriptures are clear that there is no escaping hell. And so people will be calling out for hills to fall on them, for mountains to cover them, and it won't actually come. There is no death in hell 
You can't escape hell by asking for a cliff to fall on you and end it all. No, it goes on and on. Imagine that period of suffering that you may experience in this world for 80 years or so, a lifespan. And then at the end of that lifespan, you think, oh, finally I can die and it will all be over. No, not in hell. Another 80 years follows that. And then another 80 years. And then another 80 years. And you cry out, please let a cliff fall on me and end this pain. And it doesn't come. And another 80 years goes by. Another lifespan. Another lifespan. Another lifespan. A thousand years. A million years. A billion years. It just goes on and on and on. So it's not hard to see why people are crying out for cliffs to fall on them, for mountains to cover them as they face the judgment of the Lamb. And this is a dreadful subject to bring up. And I may have put you off your Sunday lunch. You came in this morning thinking you'd get some encouragement and you'd be able to go out from here and enjoy another spring day here in Australia. But the reason I've focused on this scripture this morning is because it's come up in the book of Hosea but because I love you too much to ignore it I want everyone here to avoid the awful judgment of God that is to come I want you to escape what God is warning you of he has warned us in his mercy so that we will escape because there is a way of escape there may not be much time before that judgment comes Remember when we looked at Hosea and we looked at that final, uh, that judgment that was to come and we looked at how, what time will that judge come, when judgment come? When will it come? And it said, when God pleases, it will come. When God pleases, the judgment then came upon the Israelites with the Assyrian army. And it's the same today. That final judgment, we don't know when it will come. It comes when God pleases. It may be tonight. We have no idea. That Jesus may return or you may be called home by death. You may be called before your creator. But we do know that it will come one day. We don't know when, but it will come. And God will do so when he desires. And he will do so justly because of our sin. And if you doubt that the judgment will come, you look at the book of Hosea. People doubted Hosea's words again and again. They didn't reform their lives. They didn't repent. They didn't go back to following God. And what happened? The Assyrian army came and destroyed them. It's the same today. People hear the prophets. They hear the Apostle John and they say, oh, no, it's not going to happen. And then it comes. So you must be ready now for this judgment. Heed the words of Jesus and be ready for when that judgment comes. Words that he gives us in Matthew chapter 24, for example. Matthew chapter 24, page 982. Look with me there now. Page 982. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. Matthew 24 is a a grand chapter in the Bible that speaks of many of the things that are to come, including the last judgment. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says... No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. 
and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I don't know when the final judgment will come. But I do know that you need to be ready. And I do know the way that you can be ready for when the judgment comes. If you ask Christ for forgiveness for your sins, if you ask God that Jesus Christ paid for your sins at the cross, then there won't be a day when you cry out to the hills to fall on you for the mountains to cover you, because you will be covered by the blood of the Lamb. Wonderful truth of the Scriptures is that Jesus Christ came into this world, the Son of God took on flesh, dwelt amongst us, went to the cross, and then he took the wrath of God for our sins upon him. And the amazing thing is, while Jesus was there on the cross, as he experienced wave after wave of the wrath of God against him for our sins, if we trust in him, he did not cry out as the people did in the book of Hosea and in the book of Revelation. He did not cry out, let a hill fall on me so that I can be ended and not experience any more of the wrath of God. No, he continued to experience those waves of God's wrath against him. He did not bow out and say, I want to end this, let it be over. I don't care about those people any longer. I don't want any more pain. No, he continued to bear it. He did not want a mountain to cover him. Instead, he wanted to be the mountain that covers us, the one who protects us so that we do not have to experience that awful judgment that is to come, that we rightly deserve for our sin. So I encourage you this morning, I beg of you, heed the words of the scriptures that there is a final judgment to come and see how awful it is that one day if you are outside of Christ, you will be begging God to let a hill fall on you. The pain is so bad, let me just be crushed and it won't come. Realize that is what will happen to you one day if you remain outside of Jesus Christ. Instead, come to him, trust him, ask for forgiveness of your sins, and he will grant it to you. And if you are a Christian, I encourage you to delight in your deliverance from the judgment. It is so wonderful that God has given us a way out. He didn't have to. He didn't have to provide a way of escape, a way to be saved from the judgment to come, but he has. We all deserved awful pain for our awful sin for all of eternity. It could have been us crying out for a hill to fall on us or a mountain to cover us, but it's not the case. We haven't been punished eternally and we haven't even been shown the mercy of what it would be like if we were in hell for, let's say, a thousand years and then 
a hill was to fall on us and annihilate us and we'd never be existing again. We haven't even been shown that mercy. We've been shown mercy beyond that. We've been shown mercy where our sins are forgiven and we actually don't just get a time limit in hell and then it's ended where a mountain covers us. We actually get to go to a whole other world, a new heavens and a new earth, and be with Jesus Christ for eternity. We are immensely blessed. Not just by the way that we've escaped the judgment and maybe sit in a corner for the rest of eternity. No, we don't sit in a corner. We sit in the kingdom of God with Jesus and eternal pleasures at his right hand. Do you delight in what you have received in Christ? What you have escaped reminds you of the wonderful mercy of God so that you are able to thank him, thank him, thank him. Day after day, I deserved to go to a place where I would cry out for a hill to fall on me and wouldn't receive it, but I'm not going there. Instead, I'm going to a heavenly home with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being the one that covered me by your body, by your blood, so that I would be eternally safe. And then allow the knowledge that you have of the final judgment, not just to cause you to thank God for what he's done for you, but to motivate you to witness to others. It may just be me, but I find that I'm often apathetic about the judgment of those people around me who are facing eternal judgment in hell. It doesn't motivate me as it should. And so I need to be reminded of what people will be experiencing one day if they stay outside of Christ. That one day some of those people that I love and I see regularly will be crying out for a hill to fall on them, to end the judgment that they're experiencing. And so that should motivate me to make sure that I'm doing everything I can, that, that, that they will call out for Christ to fall on them instead and escape that judgment Be amazed as you meditate upon the judgment of God, it actually does motivate you to witness. It's actually a bit intimidating for me to stand up here this morning and to speak in such stark terms to you all. I know it may not win me many friends by speaking so boldly about the judgment of God, particularly in our culture. People would call me all kinds of names for saying what I'm doing right now. But because I really believe that that is what is coming and because I really believe that there's a way of escape and because I really love the people that are around me, I get up and do what I'm doing today. Are you going to show that you really believe that there is an awful judgment to come and there is a way of salvation by being bold enough to speak words that may bring hostility but also may bring people into the kingdom of God? Let us come before God in prayer, but let us take a few moments to meditate upon what we've heard now, to think about whether we need Christ's blood to fall upon us anew or whether we need to thank God for Christ's blood that covers us so that we do not face the awful judgment to come. Let us take a few moments of silence to speak to our God. Heavenly Father, it is a great privilege to be able to open your word 
and to hear of the things that are to come, that you have not left us in darkness, you have not left us in ignorance, but you have told us about how serious our sin is and how serious the judgment is that you will hold against those who have sinned against you. And so, Lord, we also thank you, though, that you have given us knowledge of your son's work at the cross. We thank you that he bore it all, all your wrath against us for our sin if we trust in you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to look to the Lamb's blood to fall upon us now and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we pray for anyone in this room who's never done that. We pray that they may fear your judgment now and cry out for forgiveness from the Lamb. And Lord, we pray for us who know what it is to escape the judgment that we deserve. Lord, we pray that that may lead us to thank you day by day, to do whatever we can to serve you, our great Saviour. Lord, we pray that you would use us to help as many people as possible to escape the flames as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.